Good morning, everyone. I invite you to turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 6. We have some familiar words this morning. This is the benediction. The benediction that is offered, that is pronounced after every one of our services. And I hope and pray today that you will see how appropriate it is for us to turn to Numbers chapter 6 on this Sunday after Christmas. Would you bow with me as we ask for the Lord's blessing on the reading and preaching of his word. Father, we come to your word and we ask that you would accompany the reading and preaching of your word with the power of your spirit, the, the enlightenment of your spirit, the movement of your spirit to draw us into closer union with Christ and to understand and comprehend all the blessings we have in him. Would you do this, we ask, in Christ's name. Amen. Friends, this is the inerrant and infallible word of God. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. This is the word of the Lord. One of my fathers in the faith... It was a man named David Partington, and he was one of my pastors in Greensboro, North Carolina, a man I dearly loved, and he pointed me to Christ. But he, uh, he would often share that, that from time to time, people would come up to him and say, Pastor, I didn't really get anything out of that service. Now, never mind the fact that when we gather for worship, we are coming to worship the Lord rather than to get something, but David would reply to them, you know, look, I understand that from time to time the preaching is lackluster, and sometimes the music is off, but every Sunday when you gather for worship, you get something. You get a blessing from the Lord. That's what the benediction is. The benediction is a blessing from the Lord. They are familiar words that you have heard over and over and over again. But I want to ask you this question. Though you have heard them, have you received them? Maybe there's a difference between the two. Look, let's explore this text. And as we do so, I want us to understand that that at least the first part of receiving is understanding. So I'm going to sort of make my way through this passage, just to have your Bible or your bulletin with you, and we're going we're gonna to work through it. But the first thing I want us to see as we explore this text and try to understand it is, is to ask the question, who is authoring this blessing? I, I've... Uh, I've said often and sometimes in colorful ways that one of the greatest blessings that my kids have in being a preacher's kid 
is that they understand more than most the extreme ordinariness of the pastor. <laughs> they see him at his, uh, at his ugliest moments. Um, that is always true. And though I have the great joy of gathering or of standing up here each and every week and, and pronouncing life altering, life shaping words, uh, the power is not in the speaker, the power is in the word, the word of God. That is true always. It is never more true than when I stand before you to pronounce the blessing of God. Now, at the end of each service, when we pronounce the blessing, we don't always use Numbers chapter 6. There are, at times, other benedictions that we pronounce from Scripture. But regardless of the benediction that Michael or I pronounce, we do so following in the line of Aaron and of his sons. So as the passage opened, that the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Speak to Aaron and his sons. Aaron was the priest. He fulfilled an, an official office in, uh, in Old Testament Israel. It was the office of, of the priest, of the, the priesthood. And that office was meant to be an office that was to mediate between God and man. But there was a direction of this mediation. The, the priest was to bring the concerns of the people up before the Lord through prayer and through offering sacrifice. And in this mediation of bringing the people up to the Lord, there was an upward thrust of this work. But there's something different in this blessing. Rather than an upward thrust of bringing the people up to the Lord, God is telling Aaron to bring his blessing down to the people. There's a downward thrust from God to the people. Now, ordinarily, that was the work of the prophet. The prophet spoke the word of the Lord to the people, but here there is a reversal taking place, and he's telling the priest, you, you are to proclaim my word to the people. You are to mediate, not the people up to me, but me to the people. So the priest spoke. But the priest was only the middleman. The Lord is the one doing the blessing. The Lord is the one accomplishing the blessing. So this benediction, it's not an ask. The priest is not asking the Lord to bless the people. Instead, he is declaring... He's declaring what the Lord has promised to the people in obedience to the command of God. The priest and those who follow in the line after him through the benediction are proclaiming a promise over the people. Now, we do this. We repeat it each week. And each week, we're not doing that so that we can keep asking. We're doing it so that we can keep declaring what the Lord has already 
declared. The Lord is the author of this benediction. And so if he's the author of this benediction, what are the, what are the elements in this, in this stream, this flow of blessing that we have? Number six. Well, you see in verse 24, it starts out, the Lord bless you and keep you. To bless, it is, it is to bestow. To bestow good gifts. This is not a wish of, it's not happy thoughts. It's not I wish something on you. The Lord is bestowing something. In the, in the Old Testament, the, the fathers would gather the sons the end of their life, to, to offer a blessing over them. Think, think Isaac offering a blessing over Jacob and Esau. And regardless of what you think about how that blessing played out, what Isaac is doing is he's dividing the property. There's a transfer that takes place in that blessing. He's not wishing them well. And so in the Old Testament, this bestowal of a blessing, it, it entailed physical, material blessing. It spoke to physical, material prosperity. Now, even in the Old Testament, there was a, a sense of spiritual growth. But that spiritual growth tends to capture the way we see the blessing more in the New Testament, yet these streams of material and physical blessing in the Old Testament, spiritual blessing in the New, come together in the new heavens and new earth. The blessing of God is all. It's the blessing. The promise of good gifts, and that promise of good gifts includes the presence of God. Now, that is what it means to bless, but the benediction goes on. The Lord bless you and keep you. To keep is to guard, is to protect. The Lord our God is the strong and mighty protector. Psalm 121 uh, speaks to this. Verses 7 and 8 say, The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. When, when the Lord commands Aaron and, and those who follow in his steps to pronounce this blessing over the people, he is saying, I am your guardian. I am your keeper. And so the blessing starts. The Lord bless you and keep you. But with that promise of blessing and protection, the Lord goes on to offer some more specifics. And these specifics, if we're honest with ourselves, they sound sweet, but we're not sure what they mean. So let's, let's explore them, starting with verse 25. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The shining face, it's a smiling face. The Lord is causing the light of his face to shine upon his children as an expression of his delight in them. The Lord our God is expressing his delight 
over you in this benediction. Remember, the Lord is the one who told Aaron to say this. To say, my face shines upon you. I, the Lord, delight in you. Children, children know and desire uh, this blessing. Children receive this blessing when they know that their father delights in them. You know it. You know the joy of the smile, the smile on the face of a child, the smile of a face looking upon you. And, and maybe you know this blessing from your experience of having received this smile of delight. Maybe you know what a blessing it would have been had you received it. Maybe you know it from the lack of it. This smiling face is actually the opposite of, of hiding our face. That is what we do when we are disappointed in. We hide our face from someone with whom we are upset. We have a hard time looking upon them, but the Lord is telling us, I do not have a hard time looking upon you. So the outworkings we see in verse 25 of his smiling face is his grace toward his people. The light of his face that delights in his children is a light that illumines the gospel. One commentator writes of it as saying that the light that sends rays of mercy into the heart in need of salvation and makes it the recipient of grace. It's important for us to see a little bit of context to fully understand this grace. This blessing that we see in in Numbers chapter 6 comes on the heels of the Lord offering the provisions for the Nazarite vow. So what is that Nazarite vow? It's it's an extra. The Nazarite uh, vow is, is something extra that people would take upon themselves to, uh, to go the extra mile. To go deeper spiritually. Those who took the Nazarite vow, they were the spiritual special forces. And so we might expect this benediction to be pronounced upon those who took the vow. But no, the benediction does not come on those who took the Nazarite vow. It comes on all of Israel. Because this is a proclamation of grace for all of God's chosen children, not the special forces, not the spiritual overachievers, but for the children whom he delights in. That's verse 25. The blessing moves on. Verse 26. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. If to shine is to smile upon, to lift up countenance is to take notice of. Again, I go back to the children. What is a child what, is the, what do children want so much of their father? I can almost hear 
uh, in my ears the, the memories of my children when they were young saying, watch this, daddy. Watch me, daddy. What did they want more than anything in that moment? They wanted their father to notice them. The child wants to be seen, and so the loving father raises his head up from whatever else he is doing and watches the child. But don't forget this. Don't forget, because this is the very heart of this blessing. This is a downward thrust. This is not the priest on behalf of the children begging, pleading, asking the father to watch the children. No, he is declaring that the Lord is already watching. The Lord is already watching his children. And as he watches, he is not temporarily raising his head up from his phone so that he can take just a minute to look upon the child and then go back to the screen. No, the father is saying, I am constantly taking notice of you, my child. So just as grace is associated with the smile, peace is associated with taking notice of. Remember how we defined peace last week? It's a sense of total well-being. It's the shalom of God. And this peace that comes with the father taking notice of the child is the peace that comes in knowing that the Lord is, is present with us. The Lord is engaged with us. It's a positive peace, not a peace determined by what is m- missing. Those are the elements of the blessing that we see in, in verses 24 through 26. Uh, but in verse 27, the Lord's, Lord offers a, a summary, so to speak. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. The Lord summarizes this blessing by saying that he is putting his name on them. Now, who is them? Let's let's deal with that question. Um, I, I, I hope you know I'm not a grammarian. So when I ask you about pronouns, that know that I struggle with them myself. (laughs) But when you're trying to understand Scripture, they offer a clue. And did you notice that the pronouns in uh, in the verses that surround the heart of this blessing in 24 through 26, those those pronouns are are plural. But in 24 through 26, the the center of the blessing, they are uh, singular. As best I can tell, That's giving us some clue as to who it is that is to receive this blessing. And and the verses around 22 and 23 and then 27, the the plural pronouns, I I believe they're telling us that the Lord is, is meaning to bless each individual Israelite. While the singular in the heart of the blessing emphasizes the the oneness that exists in the covenantal community. So in other words, the Lord is putting his name upon the church. 
That covenantal community in the Old Testament was Israel. In the New Testament is the church. The Lord is putting his name on the church generally. And then on every individual member specifically. So what does it mean for the Lord to put his name upon the church? What does it mean for the Lord to put his name upon you? Think in terms of baptism. We baptize. We, we baptize in the name of or into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we baptize with water. That water is a sign of the cleansing that we receive in Christ. The regeneration we receive as we are born again into Christ. The the justification we have by Christ's life and death. And then the adoption we receive into Christ's family. That's what it means to receive His name. We receive the name of God as we are baptized into His family. And so the benediction that we proclaim each and every week is reconfirming our baptism. That the name of God is placed on you. He is claiming us as His own. Reaffirming our identity with Him and His love for us. And so with that explanation, I put back before you the question that I started with. You've heard. But have you received? Look, if, if part of receiving is understanding, the other part of receiving is embracing. So here's a different way to think about, about it. What might it look like for you if you lived in light of this blessing? What might be different in your life if you received this blessing and lived in light of it? Do you think you might love others better? Do you think you might need from others less? Do you think you might be more bold in the Christian life? Probably. But something holds us back. Something holds us back from, from, from loving well, from, from needing less, from living more bold. And for many of us, what holds us back is, is fear. But there's a gap. A gap that, that exists between what we profess to be true and what we experientially realize. I've tried to listen to my own preaching this week. I, I actually try and do that most weeks. And I've come to some realizations this week in, in listening to my own preaching. And, and, and maybe I can offer a, a brief glimpse into that to help you think uh, about embracing, to help you think about what embracing this blessing might do and might change in your own life. I've recently been confronted with um, 
some frustration in my own life, some frustration that I have had uh, in a couple of relationships, not in this church, in relationships um, outside of the church where I'm working together with uh, some people. And, and I've had to consider the frustration that I felt in those relationships and thought about this blessing in that context of frustration. What about why? Why is it that I get frustrated? What is the issue behind my frustration? Oftentimes, I've realized that I might hold back from speaking into someone's life because I desire their affection. I desire their approval, and my desire for their affection or approval causes me to Hold back and get from engaging where I need to. But the problem is when I, when I don't engage, when I don't speak into uh, an issue or a person's life, even when I know the Holy Spirit is telling me to do so, I still see the lack of change in their life. And I get frustrated because the situation's not changing even though I haven't obeyed what the Spirit is telling me to do and the reason I haven't obeyed is because I've desired their affection and approval more than I have that of the Lord God. Frustration is the outward sin and on some level I need to stop being frustrated but that's not helpful. I need to address the inward cause. The inward cause is my hesitation to act or speak out of a fear of what they'll think. The ultimate cause is my in, of my uh, inward fear is my refusal to receive and to embrace the benediction. It's looking for the blessing that God describes here from others instead of from Him. Look, I need to stop getting frustrated. Absolutely. But the way I can stop getting frustrated is to, is to actually embrace this blessing. To embrace the benediction and then, having embraced it, to lovingly speak into others' lives as I live confidently in the knowledge of who I am and what I have in Christ. That's me. What is it for you? What does it look like for you when you refuse to receive this blessing and seek it from others instead? And what do we do with a gap that exists? Well, keep coming to corporate worship. <laughs> keep coming and keep hearing. Because you see, we are shaped by the word of God that we sit under. We're shaped by the preaching we hear. We're shaped by the blessing we hear. And we're shaped over the long term by the fine grit sandpaper of the gospel. So over the long term, we're shaped by this blessing. So keep coming. Keep hearing. Keep being shaped by it. But in addition to the long-term shaping that we receive as we hear this benediction, we also need a moment-in-time embracing of it. 
that comes through a Holy Spirit-led realization that the blessing of God is truer and more life-giving than any blessing we can receive from man. We need to know and understand that His Word is true. And that His Word is meant to be experienced. And so in that moment in time embracing of the blessing of God, He is calling us to lean back into His blessing. To let Him be the one to shape and grow and affirm me. It's what we need. But we still struggle to lean back into and receive the blessing of the Lord. And so praise the Lord that this text ends with an emphatic reminder of the one who is offering and accomplishing and blessing his people. The English translation misses some of the emphasis. And so maybe the ending of verse 27 ought to be more appropriately read, I, I will bless them. The Lord is emphasizing and closing out this blessing that though Aaron is the mouthpiece, though Michael and I are the mouthpiece, the Lord himself is the one who accomplishes this blessing. Praise the Lord that though we struggle to lean back into it, the Lord God is saying he is the one. I, I will bless them. He will bless. He will smile upon and take notice of. He will be gracious. He will bring peace. He will claim. He will bridge the gap. This morning, fresh on the heels of our celebration of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, we see and know that this promise the Lord made in Numbers chapter 6, He has fulfilled in the person of Jesus. In the beginning, I talked about uh, the role of the priest and the great reversal that took place in this benediction. The downward thrust of God declaring His blessing over His people. And that downward thrust of God declaring His blessing over His people is fully realized as God the Son came down taking on flesh. And through Jesus' coming, God has smiled upon His people. He has taken notice of His children in His coming. Jesus did this. Jesus lived in obedience on our behalf. Jesus went to the cross taking the curse that was due to us. And in so doing, he offered another reversal of roles. The great high priest became the sacrifice. And through him, the curse was exchanged for blessing. Friends, today know that Jesus has fulfilled the blessing. Jesus has put his name upon us. Jesus has blessed us. And so... Brothers and sisters, the next time you hear 
the benediction. Receive it. Embrace it. Lean into it. And then go out confident in the knowledge of who you are and what you have in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, settle within our hearts any neediness or temptation to seek this blessing out from anyone or anything that is lesser than you. Give us a heart to receive it, to be changed by it, to live into it, and to know that you have fulfilled it. Would you do this, we ask. In Christ's name, amen.